This episode of All Things Work is sponsored by UKG. UKG offers HR and workforce management solutions that support your employees and transform your workplace into a work of art. Welcome to All Things Work, a podcast from the Society for Human Resource Management. I'm your host, Tony Lee, head of content here at SHRM. Thank you for joining us. All Things Work is an audio adventure where we talk with thought leaders and tastemakers to bring you an insider's perspective on all things work. Today, we're discussing anti-Semitism in the workplace. For decades, Jewish workers have sometimes been the brunt of inappropriate jokes, endured discrimination, and even experienced violence directed at them. Research shows that anti-Semitism is widespread at many organizations, despite the prominence of diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. In fact, new data shows that about half of all Jewish workers say they deal with workplace discrimination based on anti-Semitism. Joining us today to discuss what employers should do to address workplace anti-Semitism is Jonathan Siegel. Jonathan is an attorney and a partner in the employment group at Duane Morris in Philadelphia, as well as a managing principal at the Duane Morris Institute. Jonathan has been a longtime contributor of articles on discrimination, harassment, and other legal topics to HR Magazine and to SHRM.org, as well as a frequent conference speaker at SHRM events. He's also a dedicated volunteer at the Montgomery County SPCA. Jonathan, welcome to All Things Work. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate your including me. Yes, thank you so much for being with us. So given this new research, it seems that workplace anti-Semitism is more prevalent than many people think. Why doesn't it get the same visibility as other forms of discrimination? Well, that's one of the problems that even when I was talking with some people about this podcast, I had colleagues say, well, is there really an increase in anti-Semitism? I don't read about it. I don't hear about it. Genuine interest in it, but a lack of knowledge of it. I think sometimes it doesn't get the same coverage of other kinds of discrimination, harassment. We're also talking about violence at times because on a relative sense, Jewish individuals are in good shape, if you will, in terms of education, economics. And some people look at that and say, as a collective, Jewish Americans are doing in a relative sense well. So there may be a tendency to take less serious where there's discrimination against them, or I would say against us, harassment, retaliation. But one of the biggest problems with anti-Semitism is really getting people to acknowledge that it exists. And part of that is people speaking up when they experience it. And we're beginning to see more of that recently. So, you know, it's said that hate acts of all kinds tend to increase during times of collective anxiety and uncertainty, like a pandemic, for example. So do you agree that anti-Semitism in the workplace is worse now than it was, say, three years ago? I think so. And I'm not alone in that. Studies by the American Jewish Committee reinforce a general sense among American Jews in particular that anti-Semitism has become a more serious problem. And I do think you see upticks in it during periods of economic and other anxiety. We've seen that through history. Sometimes it's looking for a scapegoat, and Jews often have been that scapegoat. Now, you're quoted in our All Things Work article on this topic 
as saying that, that many Jews downplay their heritage, especially in the workplace, rather than vocalize their pride to colleagues. Why do you think that is? Well, it's interesting because I don't want to speak for all Jews. I can only tell you, you know, my impression. I think in a relative sense, again, this is a key factor. I believe the bias that Jews experience is not as severe or as pervasive on a day-to-day basis as other groups experience. So, for example, I don't think it's as severe or pervasive as racism against Black Americans. But just because it may not be as severe or pervasive doesn't mean it's not a problem. I think the concern is that if individuals raise it, one view is it will call more attention to it. You know, I heard a lot growing up from relatives, including those who survived the Holocaust. You know, keep your head down. Don't draw too much attention. Let it go unless it's a problem. And then there's also a concern, I think, by some that will it be taken seriously when, again, some look at the collective and don't look at the individual and say, is this really as serious a problem? Perhaps not. That doesn't mean it's not a serious problem. And, you know, right along that line, like a a lot of microaggressions, you know, in our society, anti-Semitism often isn't delivered, you know, as an insult by a boss or a colleague, but instead a quip or a joke. But those are just as discriminatory, aren't they? They can be just as discriminatory. And as any other kind of so-called joke, it makes it harder to answer. You know, the obvious ones that we see on Twitter Things like Hitler was right, 17,000 retweets in a couple week period, comments people have made to Jewish individuals, kill all the Jews and then attacking them. I mean, those are no brainers in terms of the anti-Semitism. But when someone says, you know, I'm looking for a Jewish lawyer, if you know what I mean, yeah, I do know what you mean. And it's not meant in a complimentary way. Do you think there are regional differences? I mean, is that part of the issue that maybe folks uh, in certain areas feel like uh, I've never seen this and another area say, I've never met someone who's Jewish, right? Doesn't, isn't it varied across the country? Well, I think there are differences, but some of the differences may surprise people. I have, you know, I've been fortunate, including work with Sherm to travel And I've had people say, I've never met someone Jewish. I don't consider that anti-Semitic. It's a statement of fact, and it's often followed by a question. I don't assume bad faith just because someone might say that. Um, But there are people who've never met anyone Jewish, and then all they may be exposed to are the conspiracy theories on social media or what they've heard from other individuals. And those messages may resonate consciously or unconsciously with them. But again, it's not just areas where there's lower Jewish populations. Um, earlier this spring, the ADL um, released statistics on hate crimes. And they've been looking at hate crimes since 1979. And in New Jersey and New York, two areas where there are large concentrations of Jewish individuals, had their highest numbers since 1979. So it's not just where people don't know Jews. In fact, where there are Jews, we've had some of the most serious, violent, um, and extensive cases of anti-Semitism. Now, of course, all of this is fueled by something. So let's 
pick on one, you know, especially during recent elections, we've heard some broadcasters uh, express the belief that, for example, Jewish citizens are more loyal to Israel than they are to the United States, which led to some documented cases of workplace frustrations and arguments and suits. How do you see that playing in as, as in terms of whether it's social media or broadcast news or wherever perpetuating the, the issue? Well, I think there is no question that criticism of Israel does not make one anti-Semitic. If one only criticizes Israel and not any other country in the world, then might one might question why the singling out, why the targeting. But I think sometimes focusing on Israel as a proxy for anti-Semitism in and of itself there wasn't Israel during the Holocaust where more than six million Jews, six of nine million European Jews. Think of that, two thirds of a population. There are fewer Jews today than there were before the Holocaust. There was no Israel, but there was anti-Semitism. In the 13th century, when there was the bubonic plague, Jews were blamed for that, a conspiracy theory. More than one third of European Jews were burnt alive, even though Jews themselves obviously die from the bubonic plague. So I think it's hard to come up with any one reason or theory. And I say reason or theory doesn't mean to justify it, but there are certain factors that play into it. And some of the debate over Israel unequivocally plays into it. But again, anti-Semitism was alive and well long before there was Israel. So I don't think that explains it, although some of the tensions around it may feed into it. All right. So let's pivot a little bit toward, so what do we do? And especially what's HR's role here? You know, education obviously is a key method of of addressing anti-Semitism. What's your guidance? Well, the, the first thing is the acknowledgement that anti-Semitism exists and that it is a problem. Many people don't realize that it exists and some don't see it as a significant problem. There have been some high profile cases. I'm not going to call out companies by name, but where leaders have said, you know, this really isn't that big a deal zoom bombing with swastikas because Jews have so much power. The failure to address it's a problem. The trope about Jewish power is a problem. So I think, number one, we've got to acknowledge it exists, and that includes education, and then acknowledge that we don't need to engage in which is most serious in order to us address it in terms of societal woes. I do a lot of ecumenical work, and I went to an interfaith service, and I heard a Lutheran minister say, when there's an attack on any of us, there's an attack of all of us that all of us, that inclusion needs to include Jewish individuals as well. In some places it doesn't. So I think acknowledgement and education is a start, but it's not a stop. Another critical component is when you see it or you hear it, you need to react to it. Um, Sherm has been a leader in terms of focusing on preventing and remedying harassment. That will apply in a workplace. Um, stereotypic comments about Jews in power, jokes about the Holocaust, hard to believe they exist, but they do. Misogynistic and anti-Semitic comments that kind of merge together about Jewish women. Hear them, see them, become aware of them, the need to make clear 
and not okay. And that's not only toned at the top, but also making sure that those who are the you know frontline managers know this needs to be taken as seriously as any other form of bias needs to be included in training. And again, the training is only as effective as the follow following it. Yeah. So DEI programs uh, have have been on overdrive since George Floyd's murder. But I, I have to say, I have not heard much about anti-Semitic training as part of DEI. On the other hand, you know, just adding anti-Semitism training to an existing DEI program is that a solution, or, or is there something more that needs to be done? Well, inclusion means everyone, and um, I don't think there is an exclusion for any group. At least, no, in my view, ethical or responsible organization should have any exclusion. And DEI organizations should focus in part where uh, there's fire, and there is fire with the increasing amount of anti-Semitism. I think a lot of the DEI programs and you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion are not new concepts, but thankfully greater attention being given to them in corporate America is new and is positive. And I can understand why the initial focus has been on race, ethnicity, and gender terms broadly defined. They're starting points, they're critical points, but they're not stopping points. We need to look at religion, not only anti-Semitism. We need to look at disability. We need to look at age, and it needs to be integrated as part of the framework. Education is one thing, but it goes beyond that, acknowledging certain important days, such as Holocaust Remembrance Day, acknowledging Jewish holidays. There are lots of ways, as a lawyer, if there was one day of ethics and the rest of the year a lawyer was unethical, we wouldn't say it's a very successful ethics program. Well, to me, inclusion is making sure that part of the fabric of efforts to make employees have a sense of belonging. Among other groups, Jewish employees need to be considered where are the touches that are relevant. And some of them would be speaking up against things that are negative. Some of it would be remembering things that are painful, such as the Holocaust. And by the way, a study shows up to 10% of employees don't know mostly younger individuals of the Holocaust doubt the extent of it. Um, frightening percentage of individuals actually blame Jews for it. You know, focusing on those issues are really important. And then a sense of Jewish pride, as we see in other areas, contributions that Jewish individuals have made or delighting in certain customs. Those are things that we see other groups bring to the table and make the workplace richer. I think the same would be true if Jewish employees and allies do the same. So, so let's play off that a little bit. We, we've documented some some interesting case studies where, especially smaller companies, would say, "Well, here's the way to address it: let's celebrate Jewish holidays in the workplace, and I'll ask our Jewish employee or employees to to stand up and share with everyone, you know, what is this holiday about and how do you celebrate it? And maybe, you know, make some traditional food and bring it in." Is that the way to go? Or, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some Jewish employees who say, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be the person who stands up and explains my religion to everyone. What would you suggest there? Well, it's, it's a great question. And 
I am working with a Jewish organization that said when they go into workplaces, they often have difficulty getting Jewish employees to share their stories. And there is sometimes it's a bit baffling as to why. I need to acknowledge, Tony, as you know, I've been doing work with Sherm for many years. And I had not focused on anti-Semitism or a Jewish sense of belonging as much as I do now. The events of the last five years, starting with the white supremacists marching with tiki torches in Charlottesville, screaming Jews will not replace us. And by the way, they didn't mean replace them as marchers. They meant the Jews that were controlling the world, or so they said, would not replace the marchers with others. Um, they were white supremacists, so they were talking about replacing white people with black and brown people. But again, it's this Jewish conspiracy. I think there is um, a hesitancy sometimes by some Jews to speak up because our collective situation is not as bad as other groups. But it wasn't as bad in 1932 as it was in 1939. So I'm not sure we need to wait for the fire to get hotter before we stand up. I note that at the EOC, Commissioner Andrea Lucas, who is not Jewish, spearheaded the drive for the unanimous resolution by the EOC condemning anti-Semitism. Um, when I went to the Holocaust Museum recently to read the names of people who were murdered in the Holocaust, always hard to do, particularly when they're children, but harder not to do, to forget them, to borrow from a cell is to kill again. It's, although a painful day, heartwarming to see the buses full of Christian and other faiths acknowledging what happened. And um, to some degree, as Jewish employees, the door has been opened for us. And we really need to walk in the door and raise the issue. And, you know, Sheryl Sandberg said in the concept of gender uh, bias about leaning in with a DEI initiative, if one believes there's not adequate attention to, and there's not in some workplaces, concerns that affect Jewish employees to lean in and raise the issue. Don't assume anti-Semitism. I don't assume bad faith unless someone establishes it for me. Now, if you say, I think we should raise this. And someone responds in a way, well, why would you think there's anti-Semitism? You know, you run the workplace. Well, now I, now I think you have some evidence of bad faith. And even then, well, let's talk about that because that's exactly why I think we need to have some education and to have some discussion. I also want to call out Commissioner Keith Sonderling, who has um, been speaking on the issue. We both share Holocaust roots. And for people like us, although I don't want to speak for the commissioner, but we've spoken about it, days like Holocaust Remembrance Day hit hard. And when an organization acknowledges it, it goes a long way. One of my clients, which is a church, makes sure that they acknowledge the day, focusing on the particularly insidious impact on Jews in terms of percentage, two-thirds of a community wiped out, but at the same time recognizing each life is of equal value and universal application that never again means never again to anyone. Yes. 
Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me to discuss anti-Semitism in the workplace and what we can all do to help address it uh, moving forward. Before we get out of here, I want to encourage everyone to follow All Things Work wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, listener reviews have a real impact on a podcast visibility. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review and help others find the show. Finally, you can find all of our episodes on our website at sherm.org slash ATW podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on All Things Work. No matter who they are or what job they do, you want to give your employees all the support they need. And UKG, with their HR and workforce management solutions, can give you all the tools you'll need to help you make your people, all of your people, feel like they belong. UKG, the cross-category leader in HR solutions.